Right. Now, before we start this results bulletin, I want to share with you the fourth funniest joke at this year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival. This was only published today. This is from the comedian Sakisa. And she says, when women gossip, we get called bitchy. But when men do, it's called a podcast. So here to gossip with me are Nick and Trev. Hello. So some general comments from our listeners, which definitely tell a story. Ed says, not the best week, chaps, I think it's fair to say. Alex says, painful. And I'm not sure that there's been a week where I've cared less about positions two to five. David says, they're all meh, nothing to hate, absolutely nothing to love. Worst week so far. So I agree with Nick on this. And I seem to be oddly aligned with Trevor on voting. What's odd about being correct? I think David and Shrev come from very, very different musical starting points. So it's nice when you can be of one accord. Right. Excitement. Because we have a dead heat for last place. And as you know, I don't allow dead heats. So I invoked the tiebreaker, which is looking at the number of listeners who had preferred one track over another. However, even number of votes. That didn't decide it. So then I've invoked a second tiebreaker clause, and I've looked at how many voters placed these two songs within their top three. Now, bearing in mind both tunes got an equal number of last places, Adding up how many got in the top three is a fair way of deciding it. And with that in mind, I can reveal that in last place, earning minus one points for the 1960s, Last Night in Soho from Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch. We have some comments. Mark says, not great, but like you guys, I enjoy a song with a story and it's also got some good noises. David says, flawed but fun film, dull song. Alex says, this must have already sounded pretty dated in 1968. Asta says, total disconnect between melody and lyrics. I know it's trying to be dramatic and intense, but it's just too soap opera for me. And James, Centres of Sound, says, on paper, this is great. In practice, it's ludicrously overcooked. Sounds like something they've been working on for weeks and should have put in the bin. I can't believe that's come last. <laughs> even, even you're using your convoluted countback round robin scoring repechage scoring system. I still can't believe that's come last. I think the competition in this isn't what's the best song. It is what was the worst one out of these songs. That's the challenge, isn't it? What is going to be the most worst? Yeah, it didn't actually get a large number of last places. I think there are songs higher up that got more last places. It's just that other than that, sea of meh. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, Nick, you're not necessarily going to like the way these results stack up. I, I accept all democratic decisions with grace. <laughs> Something that has become increasingly rare in modern society. Yes. And increasingly important, unfortunately. Well, I can reveal... The first up in the Met Zone by a whisker, representing the 2000s, Stay With Me by Ironic. Ed says, I've really turned on this. My hate for the chipmunk bit coloured my perception at first, but actually it's a sweet, competently performed tune, which could have been pretty good with a different chorus. However, Tim says, 
What was he thinking? Making a song about grief and loss and then deciding to lighten the mood with guest vocals from Pinky and Purty. Truly misjudged. James says, hard to get to the end of this one. There really is something cursed about the music of 2008. And Malcolm the Break Doctor says, maybe this is indeed ironic, but yikes, this is pure bobbins. And believe me, I'm no stranger to using chipmunk vocals. Malcolm makes old school rave music. Is that right, Trev? Not so much old school. Like there's a new wave of hardcore that is based in the old school sound, but it's actually very edgy production wise. You know, bearing in mind old school was kind of made on computers that have less power than a calculator. The sonic values have come along. There's still that ethos and his production is very, very good. And then on the hardcore scene, pitched up vocals has never, ever gone away. Okay, but modern chipmunks are edgy chipmunks. And for Malcolm, Ironic's chipmunks lacked edge. Do you know what we need? Ah, there must be. Is there chip dunk? Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) and you love a rabbit hole. Just Google it. Get onto Bandcamp because there's Chip Tune, which is a a different genre. Yeah, Chip Tune is making dance music, but using 8-bit samples. And then Donk. And then the meeting point between, oh, chip donk. I'm making a note. A cursory Google search has not thrown up much information there, I'll be honest. Oh, it's underground. Right, we have to go on the dark web for chip donk. No, Bandcamp. Underground is Bandcamp these days. Right, also in the Met Zone, representing the 1990s, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Mark says, meh. Eagle Eye's sub-counting crow's strum-along makes him, by some distance, the least interesting member of the extended Cherry musical clan. Jeff says, this just squeezes into my top three. It's a bit too laid back and repetitive, but my wife sang along, which gave it the edge. Ed says, I have hated this song for 25 years. It was absolutely ubiquitous at the time, and I can't believe you've made me listen to it again. It's the oral equivalent of plain porridge. It doesn't go anywhere or do anything for four minutes, and even the guitar solo doesn't dare drift from the middle of the road. While James says, I would genuinely rather hear Top Loader. Apologies to Nana, who I absolutely love. I love that as we go up the rankings, the comments are getting more aggressively negative. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's two, you know, there's two guys on the Muppets that used to just sit in the box and go, it's just terrible. Well, I quite like it. Well, no, it's all right. It's a bit like that. <laughs> I think it's partly due to comment selection, because I think when you really hate something, you tend to have the comments that are more share worthy than just, oh, that's lovely. Bile stimulates creativity. The top loaded disc, it's an ideal disc, isn't it? I would bracket them in the same sort of area as Top Loader. I, I like this tune. I quite like Top Loader. I know there's no cool points for liking bands like Top Loader and Maroon 5 and, you know, other massively successful acts. But I, I think everybody remembers Top Loader for Dancing in the Moonlight. Achilles Heel is a stunning record. But if you don't like Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry, you will not like Achilles Heel by Top Loader. My favourite member of the extended Cherry family, I think, is Wild Cherry. <laughs> OK, into the top three. Earning one point for the 1970s, we have the Boomtown Rats with Like Clockwork. Mark says... For some inexplicable reason, I once read Bob Geldof's autobiography, which puts me firmly in the anti-Saint Bob camp. 
I like one Boomtown Rat song, She's So Modern. This, meanwhile, is grating, quirk-filled new wave, making me think of Lena Lovitch or Toya. Tim says, I genuinely remember really liking this when I was a young'un, and I was quite excited seeing it on the list, but it's aged very badly. Asta says, The gang I hung out with had a fair few who hated disco and treated the rats and I don't like Mondays as the salvation they craved. This is not that. Alex says, I really like a couple of their forgotten big hits, Diamond Smiles, Someone's Looking At You, but so much of their stuff is more justifiably forgettable. I saw them once at one of the Butlin's weekend-themed festivals a while back. I went in with some scepticism, but it was an immense performance from Bob Geldof, as if he had taken a conscious decision that he wanted to be remembered as a great frontman of a pop band rather than the angry, swearing charity guy. And Jeff says, energy, groove and edge. Thanks for introducing this to me. Again, it's not like a sea of ringing endorsements, is it? No, I love that the guy fronted Live Aid is now doing a Butlin's Weekender. I think that tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, there wasn't a massive payday fronting Live Aid. I'm going to have to carry on doing the work. And I think that's the thing about the a lot of the anti-Bob Geldof stuff, is people go, oh, yeah, but you know what I mean? He's done it to heighten his profile. And they go, I don't think there was above 10 people who watched Live Aid and went, do you know what? I'll go and buy all of the back catalogue of the Boontown Rats. Even when you think about the profile to do it, he's not someone who it leaps off the page. You go, all right, and who's doing it? The guy out of Boontown Rats. Yeah, um, there was no post-Live Aid sales spike for the Boontown Rats at all. I know this for a fact. But the person who appeared at Live Aid who did the worst out of it was poor old Adam Ant. He only came on for one song and he made the unwise choice of promoting his brand newly released single, Vive La Rock, which actually went down the charts the week after Live Aid and became his first flop single. I believe it was the only single by anybody who performed at Live Aid that went down the charts the week after it. All right. Prepare for a marathon set of comments for this one. I can tell you that in second place, earning two points for the 2010s and in the process, giving the 2010s their best result today in this season, we've got I Like It by Cardi B, Bad Bunny and Jay Balvin. Let's start with a comment from Hedgerow, who is a brand new subscriber to our Patreon. Welcome, Hedgerow. Welcome also to Charlotte, who is another new subscriber to our Patreon. I don't think we've ever heard from Charlotte in terms of votes and comments, but welcome to you too, Charlotte. Tell you what, one more Patreon subscriber and we'll have hit a milestone because we'll be in double figures with Patreon (laughs) subscribers. Who is going to be the 10th subscriber? It could be you. Anyway, back to Hedgerow. Hedgerow says, I don't like it. The disparity between this song and the song it samples, nope. Malcolm says, I can see why this is so popular, and I do have respect for her and Bad Bunny and how they've grasped the popular taste, but it's just not for me at all. Ed says, it's leaning on the sample so hard it's made a dent, but it's the only song here that I would actively choose to listen to, and it's the only one that retains my attention throughout. Right, the next two comments are bumper comments. So first of all, we got Mark. Mark says, 
I don't wish to presume to guess what your demographic actually is. Maybe you have lots of listeners in San Juan and Miami. But in case no one better qualified has weighed in, as someone who was born, though not raised in Bogota and had a Spanish mother, I'll say, A, yes, your collective take on Latin American culture is cringy. B, yes, both in this episode and the Eurovision one, you have mangled the Spanish language. But C, no more so than the average Premier League football commentary. As for the song, I'm not a fan of Cardi and her lack of flow, but I do like a bit of Boogaloo, and this makes a good use of the original track rather than trashing it. J Balvin and Bad Bunny are well suited to what's happening here, and for me, it broadly works. And then here comes Asta. Asta lives in Montreal. Montreal is in Quebec. This is relevant. Asta will use a phrase called pure lane in her comment. Now, pure lane, that relates to people who live in Quebec that are of French-Canadian ancestry. They've descended from the people from France that first settled in Canada in the 17th and 18th centuries. This is relevant. Okay, so Asta says... (laughs) No, right? The digressions we make. I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you here. Where the is this going? (laughs) It's coming up. Pure lane. Asta says, if ever a week has brought home to me how much of a difference location and local culture makes to choices, this is it. However much our premier might wish to return to a homogenised pure lane, 1950s Quebec, Montreal is urban and diverse and is decidedly Latin flavoured in the summer. My next door neighbours are from Colombia. The neighbours behind are pure lane Quebecois and both play bomba, reggaeton, salsa, etc. on any sunny day that dances in. They are the sounds of summer. So no surprise then that my number one is Cardi B. A word about Bad Bunny. The New Yorker, the New York Times, NPR, et al. have made him the poster boy for political action and resistance. And at this point, Asta sends me a link to a podcast that talks all about Bad Bunny's activism and interviews a university professor who runs a university course called Bad Bunny and Resistance in Puerto Rico. Back to Asta. She says, don't look for all of this in his lyrics, which are basically the same as most of his generation, i.e. I like sex. Lots of it, with as many women as possible. No strings, please. You, great. Now go away. She finishes. I think I can enjoy the music because the lyrics are just sounds to me. So there you have it. Wow. (laughs) Lots taken, isn't it? I'm absolutely speechless. (laughs) (laughs) I've no idea what to make of any of that. I refer you to my points at the time where I'm going, I'm not the target demographic for this. And I can see why people in their 20s certainly would be into it. It passes me by. But in a week of meh, there was actually at least something to this. I absolutely do take the point, right, that if I was in Puerto Rico or Cuba or Colombia on holiday and I was in a beach bar with a cocktail and this was going on in the background, it would seem entirely appropriate. I'd probably be quite up for it. But it doesn't translate into my everyday life, which isn't that. I'm absolutely not the target demographic for this. But at the risk of one final cringy take on Latin American culture, I, 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 I like it very much. Doubling down. 
there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Have you invoked modern romance there? Is that what that was all about? Or <laughs> Modern romance. Yeah. Don't say we don't know anything about Latin culture. We like modern romance. Modern romance, straight out of Bogota. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually briefly tempted this morning to actually compile a list of all the albums by Latin American and Spanish speaking artists that I've bought over the years. Cause I actually really like Latin American music. I like Boogaloo. I like Cuban music. I like all sorts of stuff. And I thought, Hmm, might come across as a tad defensive, but I do genuinely like Latin music. Am I correct in thinking in the next episode, there is a 1960s Latin based thing that makes us seem, it makes us seem like J Balvin in comparison. Yes, I think you might be right there. I think if I went through and found every album I bought by a Latin artist, that wouldn't take very long. Now, apparently, now here's something I didn't know. Uh, I wanted to go and see Christine Aguilera um, about six months ago and couldn't go in the end. It's a tenuous link. No, um, she's done loads of Spanish language stuff. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, Latin music and her Latin heritage is massive to her. And I mean, I I think I only got Stripped and another album. Stripped is a pop masterclass. It's amazing. But there is nothing remotely Latin about that. And yeah, apparently now half of the tour was in Spanish. Gloria Estefan, again, someone who much more linked with pop dance Gloria Estefan made an absolutely fantastic Latin album in the 90s. All Spanish lyrics. Terrific stuff. I was just about to say, does Gloria Estefan count? In which case, I do have some Mm. Latin something something. Okay, so comfortably ahead in first place. I think almost double the score of Cardi B, actually. Earning three more points for the 1980s. Everything but the girl with I Don't Want to Talk About It. Still not a sea of positivity from our commenters. Uh, So we'll start with David. He's put it last. Last because it's a cover. An inoffensive version of a great song, which I've loved since hearing Crazy Horse's 1971 debut album. Rob's cover is decent, but this one is just chart-chasing Pat from a group in Run Out of Ideas. Asta says, love Tracy Thorne. But this one has given me Christopher Cross sailing vibes. And I can't get out of the Friday Night Olive Garden flashbacks. She puts in brackets, that's a North American reference. I've been to an Olive Garden. It's like a chain faux Italian restaurant. At the risk of uh, referencing my Latin influences, I regularly go to Taco Bell. Is it that type of equivalent of that's gritty, authentic? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think we have the equivalent. It's sort of Frankie and Benny's-ish, but just Italian, not in New York Italian. Bland chain. Okay, right, gotcha. All right, more comments. James says, the difference between sincere emotion and cheese is always a question of suspension of disbelief. And in this case, at this time, it's just about suspended I may even come to love this later. Mark says, great song, decent version with, as you say, nice guitar playing. I wanted to back up what you said about how terrific Tracy Thorne's books are. For instance, nobody has ever taken the convoluted ideology of British post-punk and somehow made it all understandable and funny. Such a great writer. Finally, Hedrow says... Although their talent at the craft of songwriting was always clear to me, they are a group that I grew to appreciate. 
Temperamental from 1999 is one of the best albums of that year, and there's plenty of competition in that race. This wouldn't have excited me much at the time, but it sounds as good as it did then, a pop gem. I'm staggered this is one. I'm not staggered in the slightest. This would have been my prediction as a clear winner. Nick's just got a smug smile on his face. Well, no, I I think that was a really interesting set of eights. It's been more interesting talking about the music than listening to that music. You know what I mean? I think this conversation, I think these comments are more artistically valid than some of the bland that we had. Well, isn't that part of the mission statement of this podcast in a nutshell? We take mediocre to bad pop records and we turn them into something interesting, educational and amusing. It's what we do. It's what we do. I don't ever want to hear five of those songs again, is the headline, I think. Uh, Eagle Eye Cherry, I thought about playing this the other week, and given the kick in that it's got, because I'd I'd read some of the comments, and I was like, obviously other people don't feel the way that I feel about this song. And as a DJ who at some level has a degree of artistry when it comes to pressing play on other people's records... Is this going to affect me? Am I going, Dad, you know what? I'm pulling that out of my playlist. I'm not sure. At 47, I'm ready to reevaluate what records I play. Can't I just be set in my ways? People say this is a bad week, but none of these songs would make me turn the radio off or down. And two of them would make me turn the radio up. And those two have been voted as the top two. So, yay, democracy. Shall we look at the master scoreboard? Okay. Poor old 1960s, still in last place, one point. The 2000s are in fifth position, two points. 2010s, doing okay, really, for a more, more recent decades, in fourth position with four points. One point ahead of them, third position, five points, the 1990s. Then we jump. We've got the 1970s in second position, 10 points, and eight points ahead of them, number one, Still the 1980s. Now, statistically, we've got two more episodes of this season left to go. 1980s aren't quite home and dry yet because, I've calculated this, if the 1970s win the next two rounds, and if the 1980s lose the next two rounds, then both decades will be on equal footing and we'll have to invoke some sort of tiebreak. I'm not going to let on as to how likely or unlikely that may be. You're trying to sell this in the way that Sky Sports sell the second leg of a cup semi-final when the first leg has finished 8-0. I was thinking of Jeremy Vine getting out the swingometer and going, now then we've got this coming in here, which represents the swing that's needed to take these blue counties and turn them to red or, you know, whatever. If Newport Pagnell turns out to be typical, then it's still very early days, yeah. <laughs> right, you won't have to wait very long for the next full episode because we are kind of manoeuvring around summer holiday plans. We're effectively doing a double drop this week. So by the time you finish listening to this, there will be the next full episode ready and waiting for you. So you'll hear from us again extremely soon and it's a lot better oh yeah yeah it's way better are we allowed to bang our own jobs this is a magnificent episode can't wait to share it with you it's all ready to go thank you for getting through that one (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks nick thanks trev cheers
See you next time.